Now look, I'm not going to keep going on about the tits. I promise I won't. 48, the 48 Fs? Uh, uh, yeah, like 48 Steph is not going to keep going on about them, right? But, but, right? They're big. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty big tits. <laughs> they're, they're big tits. Love it. They're big tits. <laughs> um, but I do have an anecdote about my mams. I've got an, an anecdote about the mommy milkers. Because I went out this Saturday with Echo. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of the show. Good friends in general to us. Occasionally you might see in uh, Twitch chats when we're about. Yeah. Femboy Echo. Um, a regular in our um, all of our Twitch chats. Um, yeah. Went out with them for a nice gay night out in Leeds. Um, very good night. I got hit on, which was just a, a wonderful surprise for me. Um, there was a lot of looks, a lot of, um, people, like Echo said, they went out for a smoke, got chatting with someone, said they were there with a friend and they were like, the one in the corset. <laughs> like, I, if, if you'd have told me three years ago, Jim Sterling was the hot girl at the bar, I'd have told you to fuck off. I'd have said, fuck off. Don't make fun of me. Have you got any estrogen? <laughs> um, that's what I'd have said, but yeah, it was... Oh shit, I've hit the mic. Oh wait, no, the mic didn't disconnect. I hit it with my thumb Hooray! and it didn't disconnect. Yes! Don't tempt fate. Yeah, I'll I'll, t I'll touch something on the other side of the room and it'll disconnect. <laughs> so yeah, I, I that was wonderful because I, I, I rocked the corset that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. uh, that was good. But I also got recognised a couple times. Yeah. Um, we went to a, a, a sort of a very... Um, queer friendly bar like three quarters of the ownership of trans and everything so it's like trans Aww. protect trans rights signs everywhere and all of that um an entire table was taken up by the the leather gaze and all of this sort of this that and the other and it was very good um got recognized by a fan of my work since the 2000s Ooh. sort of as soon as i walked in uh, and later on uh, another fan spotted me regarded the tits and went nice hormonal development <laughs> which is one of the most incredible compliments i've ever received and for the rest of the night echo kept echo kept saying oh that's a nice cracking pair of hormonal developments you got there that's my new name for my tits is they they are my heaving pair of hormonal developments i can get behind that Hormonal developments are pretty good. Mate, being trans is awesome. Thanks, estrogen. You're pretty alright. Being trans is amazing. Why did no one tell me this sooner? What's going on? Why are people keeping it to themselves? Look, we could have told you sooner, but you wouldn't have listened sooner. That's you, the thing, you gotta yeah. get there yourself. Yeah, people people don't keep it to themselves because <laughs> fuck you, why should we? Right? Yeah. We'll, we'll keep talking about how hot we are. I've noticed that. There is a... Trans people reach, um, or at least... Um, not everyone, but you see certain trans people when they really hit that gender euphoria where they're like, I'm hot now, and now you're all going to fucking hear about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The I'm hot now phase is real, and I'm glad you're enjoying mm. it. It's 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 a treat. <laughs> yeah, so Saturday night was just wonderful. There were a lot of instances of, of positive attention I was getting, which, again, the last time I lived in this country, that wouldn't have happened. Um, I mean, there was one instance where a bloke sort of yelled, hey, beautiful at me from a car. And I'm like, mate, the shit they used to yell at me from cars when I lived here 
like 20 years ago. I'm the same person. But also, people shouldn't be yelling at, at, at people out of cars. Well, no. They shouldn't be. But it's like I've won. <laughs> it's like I've gotten one over on them. <laughs> you've you've stumbled into the weird paradoxical era of being trans that happens where, like, I went through it, most trans fans have gone through it at some point, the, the period of, I should be offended at your catcalling of me, but also it makes me feel very seen and validated, and both of these simultaneously exist. Yeah, it's problematic affirmation. Yeah. How dare you do that? But if you're going to do that, thank you for doing it at me. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right. You're taking one for the team is, is what I'm hearing. Exa I mean, I'll take I'll take <laughs> many for the team. Conrad. Um, but yeah, like it was. It was all affirming. Some of it was problematic. Some of it was truly wonderful. I like being hard. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's my new thing. That's my new hobby. Yeah, so that was, you just thought, you know, especially as, as shit as things are at the moment, for anyone who isn't a straight, white, Christian cishet in America, male, by the way. It's good to be hot. It's, it's, it's good to be hot. It's, it's, yeah, like, just, it was nice to have some real positivity and, and, and Yay. feel good about myself. Yeah. Yeah. How is everyone else, though? I'm good. I'm at the precipice of a very busy work month. Oh my god, you have so much lined up. I, at this moment, everything's very good, but I'm about I'm about to get onto the roller coaster that is May, and the next thing I know it will be June and I will have entered a fugue state for a while. So I'm I'm good. I'm excited. I'm I've got a very chaotic month coming. How are you, Conrad? Uh yeah, I'm I'm doing Doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Started planting my garden. Ooh. You know, plants started showing up. So I've got some tomatoes planted. I uh, uh, planted some spearmint and I've got uh, a chamomile plant that I'm I'm starting out because I, I could use the, the, the pest repellent. Yeah. Oh, and the then the squirrel's back already. I've had the plants out <laughs> two days. <laughs> oh, I'm so mad. You need to find out if there's any like smells that squirrels don't like. Because I know that there's certain animals we can put some innocent smell like lemon or something and they'll just bugger off. I've I've looked into some of that. Um I have tried cayenne. Okay, yeah. In yeah. the past, uh, has not, they do, they just did not give a shit. They, they just didn't give a shit. <laughs> no. They're like, <laughs> like what, what's this, huh? What's this? No, 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 white boy. We like spices in this neighborhood. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> oh. But, you know, it's, it's fine. Every once in a while, I'll go out to the patio and it'll be there. And we'll just have a quick stare down. Um, it's kind of fun. It's mostly harmless. It's just making a mess for the most part hasn't ruined anything yet yeah ah should we talk about some video games sure should we do some of them i'm fine with that who's who's been playing them i think we've all played a couple yeah i think we've uh, all played a few yeah. yeah yeah the main thing i've i've been playing this week that i want to talk about now that i've finished it while still not being too spoilery about it um 
I've played through all of the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Oh, mm-hmm. I have played that as well. Yeah. Last week, I talked about like the, the bit where I was referenced in the game. You didn't know at the time, did you? I <laughs> did not know how extensive that was. You didn't know there was a literal church to you and your writing. <laughs> a literal church to, dedicated to my <laughs> review of the game. Like, oh. I thought they'd just have like a little sort of screenshot of the review somewhere. Oh, no. And they'd edited the byline to say James Stephanie Sterling. Instead, I'm hearing the narrator from the Stanley Parable saying James Stephanie Sterling and then reading my work. Only trans people are allowed to have their reviews immortalised in Ultra Deluxe. That is also the rule, it seems. Right? Yeah, so have you have you played through all of this? Uh, no, not all of it. I got um, distracted um, from it. I need to go back to it. But I played a fair whack of the, the sort of... The newer stuff and, and everything. Here's what I'll say about it, like, completely spoiler-free having finished it. Um, In terms of how much new content there is, I'd say it's about three or four hours of new content, which is fairly representative of what's in the original game if you're playing it through today. You'll probably get through the new content faster than the original content, because there is a degree of remixing ways of getting to endings. A lot of the original games, like, you will have been slowed down by having to work out how to access certain things will be less of a factor, but the amount of content there, I think, is comparable. Come Stanley parable. <laughs> it's very clearly trying to be something very different. Um, it is it is a it is a work about itself. It's it's navel gazing. It's very entertaining navel gazing. It's navel gazing that I think by the end of it does actually build to something. Like it's not navel gazing for the sake of navel gazing. It does build to something that I think is kind of emotionally resonant. I like what it says a lot about just and and there was some of this in the hex as well. The the um what's the name? The Mulligan? Uh, Daniel Mullen. Daniel Mullen. Daniel Mullen. Um, yeah. The Hex had a lot of this well as well, this um, exploration of the developer's relationship with criticism and critics. Yeah. And, it, and sort of juxtaposing both the incredibly positive reception it got, but also being like hung up on those that didn't appreciate it. Very relatable. Yes. It's honestly a really relatable piece of work. If you've ever, if you've ever made a thing that was really well received and then sat in that sort of paralysis of oh fuck how do I live up to that and how do I make things when they might not be that that might what do I do if that might have been my peak yeah and how do I keep making things it plays around in that space in some really nice ways and it is a you know it feels like a very honest narrative told through a very jokey lens to give itself some distance from what it's dealing with. And I really like it. I think it's funny. I think it's sweet. It's got a bucket in it. It's a very good bucket. It does have a bucket. It does have a bucket. I feel very supported by the bucket. I feel very reassured by the presence of a bucket in this game. Very reassured. Yeah, it feels like a substantial enough thing to be like, to justify picking it up. Like, for for folks who were worried it was going to be a very small amount of additional stuff, it, it's a pretty beefy addition, I think. Yeah. 
I'm I'm very happy with it. And it's just nice. It's also nice to just play the original Stanley Parable stuff again as well. Like I haven't played it in God nine years. Like I played it when it first came out, and I I and that's when I last played it. And even some of that original stuff is. A little bit changed, yes, in ways that's nice to discover. Yes, I there were one or two bits where I'm like, "Is this in the original?" No, no. The- Time-wise, this is impossible. This could not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not groundbreaking in the way that the original was, and that's incredibly okay. It's a game that knows it can't do that as well, and that's part of what it is doing. It knows that it can't do the same trick a second time and have the same impact a second time, and therefore it doesn't try to. Mm-hmm. And I think that really works for it. Oh yeah, if anything, in part, the game is about that. You know, it's about we can't do this again. <laughs> we we you, you can't redo certain things, and you can't recapture certain things, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it it's real good. Go check out the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. I highly recommend it. If you've never played the original Stanley Parable, go pick this version up. There's some good game in here. Awesome. Yeah. May yeah. I may I um just quickly interject? Yeah. Um and just request that you all um get your tickets punched. Oh. And get on the train. Oh. So that you can come with me to Stephanie's Steam Deck Corner. Choo-choo! Right, fuck the Steam Deck. Conrad, how good is Vampire Survivors? Um, <laughs> well, I'm playing it now. <laughs> of course you are! It's Vampire Survivors! <sighs> God, where's my Steam Deck? I should be playing it now. It is fucking good. I somehow know nothing about Vampire Survivors. What is Vampire Survivors? What have I missed? I knew nothing about it. I heard it was really good and tried it, and it's the fucking best thing in the world, Laura. It's really remarkably good. It It's a horde game. Okay. Uh, it, It's like a horde roguelike. Oh, it's so good. You are a little character. You move around an enormous map. All Huge. of these maps are enormous. Mm. And you'll need the space. Because it's just oncoming waves of progressively, you know, tougher enemies, bigger and bigger. And it's the sort of thing that you look at it at first glance, and you're just sort of like, I've se- I feel like I've seen this before. Yeah, when I first started playing it, I was like, this is slow and a bit humdrum, and then it just expands and expands. Because the game is, mechanically, in the moment-to-moment combat, all you're doing is moving. That's it. It's a it's a literally a one thumb game. Yeah, the character moves around and automatically attacks. They each start with their own starting weapon. There are multiple characters. Uh, you start with the first character. By the way, this game is like heavily um, like like cribbing shamelessly from Castlevania. Oh my god! So, yes. Yeah. The first character is basically a Belmont. Just stands there. Every like second, fires off his whip. While some bats sort of swarm in to be here As you attack enemies They drop little gems You pick up the gems That fills up a level bar And then you're given three choices Of either upgrading Well not always Like three random choices It could be an upgrade for the weapons you have Or new weapons to add to your arsenal And as you play You are strengthening the weapons You are adding more weapons You are eventually like finding other items like passive items that can synergize with the weapons to evolve them and by the end of the run 
The screen is so full of massive projectiles and enemies that if you stream this on Twitch, it has the bitrate of a 360p YouTube video, and it's glorious. It is hideous. Yeah. Can I can I describe what I'm seeing? Because I just looked up images of this, and I'm going to try and describe the one image I'm looking at. There is a skeleton in the middle of the screen, and there is, I would hazard to say, about a thousand enemies trying to <laughs> get them. Sounds about right. But this skeleton has just like a large circular area around them in which nothing is getting near them. Mm, the garlic. And then like there's there's like a ring around that circle where like the enemies are getting to. And I don't see the enemies. All I see is just overlapping numbers. Thousands of numbers oh, yeah. overlapping where clearly enemies are. You can turn the numbers off. No, why would I? I'm seeing enemies reach the numbers and just melt. To foolishly trick what? yourself into thinking it'll help Twitch's bitrate. It doesn't. No, it won't. It fucking doesn't. There is no helping what I'm seeing this here. This game is amazing. Everything that reaches the circle is melting and... This seems like a dopamine factory. I'm. It really is. I was just about to say. I literally called it a dopamine factory on on stream today. It's don't like there are runs that can like go badly. Oh you yeah. You can get very unlucky, but it, unlike a lot of these games with randomized elements, you can get reasonably assured that you can start a build if you start a build well enough you can hone it to what you need it to do and if you get that to that point where you have multiple weapons that have been fully leveled up and evolved and they are clearing the screen of like just dozens of enemies at a time while they're all dropping gems that you're just sweeping up and constantly endlessly filling up a level bar and getting more stuff and blowing things up and you know, you start with a like a whip that goes katunk, katunk, and then you can upgrade it so it goes katunk, katunk, and then katunk, 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 and then bigger covers more area effect, does more damage, and then you evolve it. Then it's the bloody fucking tier, and it is just whipping like a dozen enemies at once and healing you as it does it. Why did neither of you tell me this exists? This looks like everything my ADHD is just oh. so ready to get addicted to. I'm mm. I'm sorry, I've been too busy playing it to say anything to you. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. All I've been doing is playing it. Playing it and streaming it oh. and going, ah! I got so hooked into this that, like, I immediately went to see if it was available on Switch, which it's not. And the only reason I did that is because... Linda wanted to watch something on TV with me, <laughs> and I was like, but I want to play Vampire Survivors, <laughs> and and what do I do? Is it on Switch? And I was like, no, it's not on Switch. Oh, boy, if I had kept Steph's Steam Deck, <laughs> I could just be playing it there. I dragged my laptop, dragged my laptop into the living room, and now my laptop is at present sitting next to the bed so that I can get a couple more runs in before I go to I sleep at night. Love this. I am booting my Steam Deck up as we sit here recording this, downloading it ready to go play on my travel tomorrow. Laura, I've got something even more amazing to tell you about this game. Yeah? It's two quid. It's too qu fucking hell. Yeah. Fucking hell. I'm days into playing. $3 USD. Yeah. I have travel to do tomorrow, and this is the first... I think this is the first time I'm going to justify actually taking the Steam Deck with me when I travel somewhere, because fuck it, this seems perfect. You are sorted. Like, there's... You are sorted for hours. Because especially, you know, for, for people with ADHD, like... 
the it someone um watching my stream of it compared it to lapis x labyrinth this is that is the game i was trying to think of the name for it's that the shower of reward when i looked at the images for this i wanted to remember that game's name and i couldn't because i was like this is mm. Oh, I remember that game so fondly. Oh. Like it's got this sort of it's it's like a bullet hell thing, except you can become the hell. Well, and and pretty quickly you can get an, any number of abilities that invalidate the bullets, right? Yes. Enemies do fire bullets, but they're pointless at times. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's uh constantly just like filling you with with positivity. Um, it's got the probably the best chest opening sequence ever i wish i could skip it faster well yeah. <laughs> i just like the really good one it's it's like it's great cool i got the good one but now i gotta sit through the whole thing oh, waiting to see what my items are i fucking dance like it's when you open it when you kill like an elite monster it drops a chest and then there's this animation where the chest bursts open and items spill out of it while you wait to see what random one you've got and this music plays and there's little if you get the super chest like little fireworks go off like it it is designed entirely to just constantly hit the pleasure centers of your brain mm -hmm. um, and again like it can be challenging yeah you know, it, you don't always get a super powerful run, but unlike with, say, like more of a roguelike type game where the super powerful builds are few and far between, here it's really much more common because um, this game just knows how to keep you wanting more and more and more. Well, and it, the structure of the waves is there's a lot of attention paid to that too because there will be periods of time where the enemies that you are up against are going to be too powerful for you to easily kill. And it can become a problem where, shit, I'm not able to level to deal with this. And then they will just send in some a horde or two of easily wiped out enemies that you can just go plow through yeah. and, and recover. So there's, it's very challenging, but also incredibly fair in that way. Yeah. Because each run lasts sort of about 30 minutes, um, at which point death comes in and just insta-kills you, although... There are ways. There are ways. Um, but yeah, generally each run is 30 minutes long and has a fairly predictable wave system, as Conrad points out. Um, so you can use that to plan your builds and prepare for the worst, <laughs> can prepare for the fucking demon-sized bats to, to come in. Um... But yeah, like, and, and for what you pay, like, you know, it, it it's not always um, the best measure of a game's quality is to bring up price, but three bucks. The value's outrageous. Yeah. You get three main maps that are huge and, you know, half hour each and just end, like, I, I'm happy to replay them over and over. Then you've got other challenge maps and as you play, you unlock new weapons. There's a... a, a a section for permanent upgrades that you can spend um, earned gold coins in. Uh, as you accomplish things in the game, you unlock new characters that have different starting weapons and different sort of passive abilities. There is just... And some of those get weird. The cat, I cannot get a, a handle on. I can't live with the cat long enough to get a level. <laughs> it's really tough. Um, I, I, I streamed her because I hadn't played her, the, the witch with the cat, and streamed it and at first i was like this is shit uh but once i kind of it was really excruciating at first but once you build it up it's 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 fun oh i bet um yeah 
Um, but that's that's quite a few items and characters are like that, where it's like you start off thinking this is shit, and then like fifteen minutes later, you're like, I am a golden god. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good game. I am I'm going on record right now. I like this more than Elden Ring. This thus far is the best game I've played this year. And it's not even close. I'm glad that we that this year seems to be doing a bit better than last year in terms of having games that are like yeah, there's some good games came out. Oh yeah, I already have 3 games that came out this year where I'm like, yeah, these are these are fucking great games. Oh. Um, but yeah, Vampire Survivors is just, it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I'm looking at this now, £2.09. Fuck yes, I'm going to be playing this all day tomorrow while I do my big long travel. I'm very excited. Phoenix is into it. Like, Phoenix doesn't really play games. They like love Dragon Age, and like that series is their game. Um, and they don't often, yeah, just don't get to play games really on occasion they'll play other stuff but but like it's been very much like when you're done can i have a go and then so oh. we, we we're kind of taking it in turns now <laughs> oh i'm glad yeah like it's you know like that's the beauty of this game is no matter no matter how like into games you are because it's almost got a sort of there's an idle game element to it yeah oh definitely yeah uh, even though it's very interactive with the movement um, it's so simple once you start playing it. You instantly or almost instantly get what it's about. By the first level up, you get it. And then it's just a matter of moving around and making choices and seeing what the fuck happens next. Oh. It is one of the most perfectly designed games I've played. I want this episode of the podcast to end so I can start playing it. It sounds perfect. Yes, yes. I'm I'm, I'm planning to immediately go back to it after we're done. Yeah. Uh... God, that felt good. Oh, that felt good to just sit here and gush about a game. Oh. Right, and just be happy. Oh my God. God. Everything else I have to talk about this week feels like it's going to be a real just like step downward in comparison. I, pl I played some other things, but like, eh, who cares? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Like, um, I played something that I think is really interesting. It's still in early access. Um, it's it's called Peglin. Mm-hmm. Peglin. Peglin. It's a roguelike peggle. Oh. Oh, so it's it's not about like fucking a boglin with a strap on. No. Oh, well then I'm out. God damn it, I'm out. I mean, I'm looking at the art. I'm in. It looks pretty cute. Yeah, it's it's cute. Um you are a little goblin that, you know, throws balls at a peg thing. It has a combat system where um every peg that you hit adds to the damage of the weapon that you're using of the the ball Ooh. that you throw. There's a whole bunch of different ball types. You've got a, a stone then you've got ones that will duplicate on hit. You've got um, ones that do damage to entire rows of enemies or columns of enemies. And so you collect these as you go along and you can upgrade them between levels so that they do more damage or add additional effects. And it's, um, it's kind of short is my only, like it felt short. A run is only three maps. Yeah. And I was kind of, at this point at least, and so I was kind of disappointed to find that I had completed it much faster than I expected I would. Yeah. 
that may change. The other thing is that I am not sure at this stage it's possible for me to complete this game without one specific upgrade. There is an upgrade that you you will most likely find somewhere along the run that uh, adds magnetism to your ball. Mm. And while occasionally that is inconvenient, more often than not, it's the thing that that allows you to clear levels. And you clear levels quickly in a lot of circumstances. You'll wipe out an entire room worth of enemies in, in two balls because it's able to bounce around to a whole bunch of stuff that it wouldn't ordinarily if it was adhering to the laws of gravity. Uh, my problem, I mean, it's a lot of fun when you get it, but, uh, I've only played like four or five runs. I've completed it once in, in totality. And, uh, both times that I got anywhere in it, it was really eventually on the basis of having that. So I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure hmm. I'm crazy about it. I like the idea and I think there's some fun stuff in it and I, I enjoyed playing what i did it's something to watch yeah but uh, i'm not over the moon about it at this point there, there seems to be a demo on steam so i might give it a download and mm -hmm. have a mess around with it yeah i want to have a look at this it looks very cute yeah it is mm. and and you know it it it's fun if you like peggle and i it's hard to find someone who doesn't i think on some level enjoy peggle yeah but yeah needs needs more time yeah yeah uh, what have I been playing? Uh, the the other main thing I've played this week is I, I've, I've had a bit of a mess around with that Nintendo Switch Sports that uh, has just come oh, out. Oh, right, yeah. So, largely it's what you imagine. It's it's HD Wii, Wii Sports. Uh, you can have slightly nicer, not quite Miis, if you like, uh, in the character creator. A few of the sports are very much, like, exactly what you remember from Wii Sports, just polished up in, in appearance. Um... Tennis is largely still about timing, it's doubles only, it plays exactly the way you remember it from, from Wii Sports. Bowling? Uh, there's a, you've got a little, a little bit more control over your, over your throw, but it's largely the same game. The one thing that I like about the bowling in it is that you can play it online in essentially a battle royale mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that promoted. Yeah, so you are... You're paired up against a bunch of other people bowling, and every few frames they will start eliminating people from the bottom of the list based on score, and trying to stay in as far as you can, uh, and that's pretty fun. Um, there is a, like, it does a lot to add to the tension of trying to play well. Mm -hmm. That sort of tension of, I'm in the last four and there's like three points between us, I really need to get this, this ball done well. I think that's pretty fun. Uh, Shambara, which is your sort of sword fighting but not blades you sort of um cylindrical swords uh one of the more fun ones to play particularly in online play it's been pretty fun um this is one of the ones that was in wii sports resort uh it was one of the motion plus ones where it did one-to-one -one motion it seems a lot more reliable here than it was in wii sports resort which is nice um they've added a few different sword styles in that have some that adds some nice complexity about how you do type matchups and working out how to get around the strengths and weaknesses of varying sword types. Um, there's one that gains a bunch of uh, boosted damage if they defend with it, so you're like, I can't risk hitting a block or I'm going to give them a bunch of damage they can deal back at me. There's a twin sword style where 
you've got twice as many swords to work with, but obviously you have a lot less damage. It's pretty fun. It, it It's one-on-one, and it has become, like, it's quite a fun little ballet back and forth between people. The interesting bit is the, the, the three new sports. Um, volleyball's really interesting in that you are swapping around between the multiple roles on a volleyball court in a two-on-two match with another player. It is largely timing-based, but it's about taking note of which roles on the court you're moving between and uh, moving between the different kinds of hits you have to do. It's really fun. I've, I've been enjoying it a lot. Yeah. It is just complex enough to feel like there is a degree of um, skill, but not so complicated that I start getting annoyed that it's a sports game and I suck at them. <laughs> Badminton is one-on-one, and is is very much about the angle of your shots. Um, it, the thing that separates it from the tennis is it's not the just flick it at the right time. You are doing underhand shots, overhand shots, drop shots, and it's much more about like extended length volleys, trying to draw the player to one corner so that you can smack it to the other side and they don't have time to get to it. And it's pretty fun. It's it's another it's another of the new additions that feels really good. The one I've spent the most time with, and that I simultaneously have the most problems with, is uh, football or soccer. So this is a dual analog football slash soccer game, where you're running around a pitch with three other people on your team. It's a four on four sport, where you're flicking the Wii remote to dictate the angle of your kick. Right. In general, it's a really fun, like, arcade uh, very quick matches, rules-light football game. If you're someone that likes the idea of a sports game but doesn't want to actually deal with, you know, the minutia of sports, it's pretty fun. My problem with it is that the tutorial for it does not teach a couple of core mechanics, and it's really fucking annoying to play with people that don't know these very basic mechanics. Mm. So, it's really weird. The tutorial for that doesn't tell you that you have a button on your controller mapped to pass the ball to another player on your team with an accurate, precise, quick pass. Oh. Or that you can call for a pass so that if someone presses that button, it comes directly and quickly to you. And the lack of the game actively telling people that exists means that I have been really frustrated by like constantly being up like up the front near the other team's goal, completely open. My team has the ball and I'm like I'm pressing the call button being like press the pass, it'll send it straight to me and there's no one around. I can get a goal and no one seems to know that the pass button exists, and it's frustrating oh, as all fuck. Ugh. It's annoying, because otherwise that game would actually be kind of fun. The only other thing I, I want to say of note uh, for anyone that's thinking about picking it up, if you struggle with um, time-limited randomized rewards, there is no real money spending in this, but the game has uh, sets of cosmetic items uh, and outfits and things like that, that you unlock through playing, where you will play a certain amount, it's usually three or four matches of something, uh, that doesn't seem to get longer over time, so it's pretty consistent with the rewards, but you will then go, 
I want one of the cute set of rewards, which will be like 15 different rewards, uh, that there is a set completion bonus for at the end where you get some full outfits if you do all of them, but they're only available for a limited time. Uh. At the moment, there's two sets available and they're both, I think they're going to last until like a week from now. And looking at the Nintendo Twitter... They're trying to encourage people to play every weekend so you never miss an outfit set. And oh, I'm like, fuck off. I'm obviously too busy playing Vampire Survivors, you pricks. I want to make that put that warning out there because if you're the kind of person who's going to get anxiety about missing randomized rewards that are time limited, this ain't for you. It's a real shame that that's the case. Yeah. Because, like,. It's otherwise a pretty fair unlock system. It's just that counter counting down to these things going away that I'm like, mm, no, I, c I can't. So yeah, that's Nintendo Switch Sports. Oh, there we go. Yeah. W what about you both? Either of you played anything else? Uh, I did play one other thing. It's, uh, surprise, surprise, it's another roguelike. Um, <laughs> this is called Revita. Mm. And I think this just came out of early access. And it is, it's a very, very frantic, fast-paced uh, side, side view platformer. You are some sort of uh, spirit or something. Uh, you're riding between uh, metro between areas, and the bosses are uh, the stages of grief. So um, there's some heavy themes in it, mm -hmm. uh, but the the art is really beautiful. And one of the things I, I like about it is that the stages are very confined, quick paced rooms hmm. they're tiny spaces. You come into a level, enemies spawn in. You deal with them very, very quickly. There's a, a chain reward uh, for killing enemies quickly and not taking damage. And this is one of those games that really, really rewards skilled play more than a lot of these. Because your health is your currency to purchase upgrades. Ooh. And that's kind of the, the balance that it strikes. You will at various intervals find shops or gambling opportunities or um, just shrines that appear once per set of stages where you can exchange your health for some sort of power-up. Mm. Now, your health can be regained by use of a, a soul meter. Enemies that get killed, they drop souls. You collect the souls, it fills the meter. At intervals, you can drain the meter to restore half a heart of health. If your health is full when you do the drain, you get a plus quarter of max hit point. So you get those four heart containers, you've got a new max hit point, now your health expands further. Mm. In between stages, you get access to a relic forge that will upgrade your relics in exchange for max hit points. Mm. So you run through a series of rooms, about a dozen per, per area, trying to maximize your soul collection so that you can build up your max hit points and spend them to upgrade the relics that you collect along the way, realizing that you're also going to have to spend some of that health just to get upgrades at all. Mm. And it's, it's challenging, uh, it is very, very easy to take a hit because of the confined spaces and also because it is a dual-stick shooter. And dual-stick platformers are 
tricky. This is not as good as uh, Flint Hook, I feel, in terms of how uh, accurate and empowering it feels when you're really doing well. Flint Hook's really good. Hmm. But it's in that vein, and it takes a, a lot of adaptation to start to feel good, because now you have to tie basically all of your non-movement and aiming actions to shoulder buttons. And that feels a little uncomfortable for me. Some people will adapt to it immediately and be fine. Um, there is a weapon that you can get that doesn't actually require aiming. Um, and, you know, you can select what weapon you start with from the beginning of a run. So once you unlock it, you can have a pretty good run and not have to worry about aiming. So if you even wanted to, you could reassign some other assets to the face buttons and that would make it maybe a little easier to play. But it is, it, it's challenging to get a grip on the movement and control, but worth it if you can find comfort. I guess is where I'd go with it. It's really fun. It's very challenging. It's a bit dark, um, but not overly dark and actually pretty hopeful in its tone. So it's got that going for it. The bosses are a little spongier than I think I'd like, with the exception of the last couple of bosses. I don't find any of them to be particularly challenging. But they will take a long time if you haven't gotten a couple of damage upgrades yet or, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of like, all right, so now I'm just dragging out this encounter that I know how to do everything. And I'm just going to be frustrated if as a result of it having taken four minutes to defeat this boss, I take a hit near the end, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because this is also one of those games where if you kill the boss without taking a hit, you get an extra max hit point. Like, um, Gungeon did this also. It's very, very good. The music's great, super chill. Really, really good music. Um, a lot of unlocks. Um, it has a Hades-style hub area, uh, that you can return to and upgrade with aesthetic stuff. That's kind of neat. But it also has a quick restart button, which I like. Hey, it's good. It's fun. I thought I would be... Uh, still playing this right now, but then uh, Vampire Survivors came along. Ah. Uh, and and hopefully I get back to Ravita because it is good, but right now it's just Vampire Survivors. Nice. Uh, anyone else got anything else they want to talk about, or should we move on to the news? I think we can move on. I, I think I'm going to spend another week with the Steam Deck before I really talk about it. Um, yeah. All I'll say right now is if is if something is listed as great on deck in the store, yeah. I don't expect the game when it boots up to tell me that it's incompatible with my graphics card. <laughs> so let's move on to the news. <laughs> I I I it messaged me about that. I I I can I can talk you through some things. I got that one working, but it's like it's Yeah. It's it doesn't seem great for its intended purpose, this thing. It sure is a PC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that it is a PC, and it's getting less like a PC over time, but it is a PC. I need to basically crack it open for the emulation. That's that's what I need to do. Yeah. I, I, I need to send you that, that, that link oh, for yeah, that'd be uh, great, the, yeah. the easy... It, it's so easy to set up emulation, Lovely. thankfully. Uh, right, so let's do some news. 
Dragon Age game testers seek unionization. Good. We got more union stories. Hell yeah. Give you a bit more context. Uh, a group of uh, QA testers working with Bioware on its new Dragon Age game are seeking to unionize. Uh, the group, which is part of a contracted uh, company called Keywork Studios, were recently told by the company they'd need to return to the office work uh, to office working full time five days a week beginning in May. Speaking to Kotaku, a representative of the staff said this re return to work has sparked calls for the group to unionize, especially as there are differences in how keywords treat staff compared to office colleagues employed full time by Bioware. This is what we were talking about with Nintendo of America last week. Mm -hmm. um, contracted employees being treated to internal staff. In the example given here by these Bioware staff, uh, there is a lack of paid sick time off, uh, including if someone tests positive for COVID, but that is afforded to internal Bioware staff, etc. Um, so yeah, we don't know much more about this right now, but... It seems like we have another company on the list, again in QA, because QA and contracted workers get treated like shit, going, hey, if Raven Software can do it, maybe we can too. You sure can. Yeah, you sure can. And I think there's, this is just going to keep happening now, I, I suspect. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. No, you know. Yeah. I talked about unionization and stuff on this past week's Gymquisition. Um it's the company's fault that this is happening. Yeah. Like, they, they're terrified of unions. They don't want unions. But everything they do to exploit the fact that they don't have unions is what pushes people to unionize. Exactly. They have pushed and pushed and abused and hurt so many people. And in the wake of people speaking up, they have been so remorseless. Yeah. So lacking in consequence or even interest in recompense. You can only push people so far. Yeah. I mean, looking at America, it amazes me how far people are willing to be pushed. But there is a breaking point and we are finally at a point. And it's not just in the game industry. Yeah. You know, we're seeing this with, with companies notorious for mistreating their workers. Efforts to unionize at Amazon, at Starbucks, places where workers are treated like total shit. Yeah. I mean, successful unionization efforts at those places. Like, yeah. Yes, indeed. And... You know, uh, Conrad uh, often reminds me of the the old adage, um, regulations are written in blood. Um, corporations mm -hmm. don't do anything unless forced, unless, say, someone gets hurt. And then there's there's punishment for that. Um, or at the very least, some legislation. Uh, companies will do nothing but nakedly profiteer at the expense of other people. That's what they exist to do. Yeah. You know, the law may try and treat them like people. They're not people. They're animals running off of a basic instinct to predate like a predatory animal basically they need to be locked up they need leashing uh that's how you treat a corporation because without that they will consume and consume and consume and hurt so many people in the process um and this is what we're seeing because corporations could have avoided the unions they're so afraid of they could have held their executives to account they could have held abusers to account they could have paid their workers better they could have treated them like human beings with dignity and respect but they don't want unions because they don't want to do any of that and because they don't do any of that that's why unions happen and it's certainly why we need them i mean no disagreement here it's yeah uh they they just got too greedy 
is the thing. They could have progressed along a track where they continued to provide some benefits and this never would have happened. But they keep scaling back. They keep trying to find ways to do things without having to compensate the people who actually do the work. Yeah. And, you know, this is, yeah, this is an inevitable outcome of that. Indeed. So, probably the biggest news story we've got this week... Square Enix has sold off its Western studios and the IP that those studios were working on, including Tomb Raider and Deus Ex, for $300 million, which in the grand scheme of things is fucking nothing for those studios and properties. I'll tell you what it is, considering, you know, we know what Square Enix wants the money for. Yeah. They had this beautiful, like, like, series of potential cash cows in Tomb Raider and Deus Ex, and have got us some magic bit beans in return. <laughs> like, it's, it's fucking, it's fucking mind-blowing. So for anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> they've sold 50 of their IPs and all of their Western studios to a company called Embracer Group. Fucking twats. So like, they've sold, let's, let's list, they've sold Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal, uh, IPs including Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Kane. Fucking hell. Studios that employ 1,100 employees. Studios that were working on announced games. Like, there was, an, uh, there was a new Tomb Raider in development at Crystal Dynamics. And they've just sold them because they want to put more money into fucking crypto. The fucking blockchain. Blockchain like, and play to earn gaming. Amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm laughing at Square Enix. I do not think it's funny that so many people have been displaced by this, been like had their lives disrupted by this. That's fucking horrible. But Square Enix trading things like Tomb Raider away so that they can get into crypto, so that they can get into fucking bored ape shit like 300 million compared to the like numbers those games have sold from those studios um it's such a short-sighted thing it feels like they are square enix did you really need 300 million right now for crypto so badly you had to do this it's like an impulse buy yeah it's an impulse sell it's also i'm thinking about all of the the properties that were sort of listed there and not one of them would make good live service product well this is true like like it's clear looking at square enix's output of late yeah like i i said this last year in my um shittiest games um video like square enix are a bunch of hacks now like as a publisher they are a bunch of hacks interested only in hack product sure they still shit out the occasional decent game but it's the writing's been on the wall ever since Final Fantasy or the Bravest. Square Enix is interesting in leveraging all of its properties and all of the the quality work that's gone into them over the years to make as much quick and dirty money as possible. It's honestly kind of fascinating because like I've what one thing that's been pointed out is that Square Enix at large has talked about the fact that several of their of their Western studios more recent games they have described as undershot expectations, as not selling as many as Square Enix wanted them to. Oh yeah, they've been doing that for like a decade. Yeah, but like very specifically, like games that are selling millions of copies and making really good profits, Square Enix is like, yeah, but that's not all the money. 
And it seems that they've decided if it's not all the money, crypto instead. Get rid of it because right while NFTs are like tanking, like they've fallen so far out of the public space because no one fucking cared. Like so many celebrities that got into it are like pumping and dumping, trying to get the fuck out. It makes me wonder because I've I've brought this up before. Like you look at like the companies that jumped onto blockchain and crypto, yeah. and I asked how many of the executives at those companies have invested in things like Ethereum and invested in the blockchain and NFTs and are now desperately trying to recoup their losses or are trying to do what everyone who had NFTs was doing, like all of the investor classes who had NFTs and are trying to sucker people into the grift because that's how this grift works. Like how many people, how many executives at Square Enix are doing this because they really do need their money back? I... I I feel like there's probably some truth in that. I hope so. I hope they got scammed, and I hope this blows up in their fucking face. I we have seen so many high-profile humiliations in the blockchain from these people that don't know what they're fucking doing, who saw it all as a way to make all of the money right now, and they failed and fucked up because they don't understand what they're doing. And I hope to. God, that Square Enix is fucking embarrassed by this. Like, by the end of, of whatever it is they're trying to do, I hope they're fucking embarrassed because the president's fucking manifesto he wrote at the beginning of the year was fucking creepy, yeah. fucked up, disrespectful to the very notion of game development. And I hope, I hope he sunk a ton of money into this shit and I hope he eats shit in the process. Fuck everyone who gets into NFTs and the blockchain. I've said it before. I've said it again. I will resort to ad hominems on this because if you're into NFTs, if you're pushing that shit, you're a cunt. I just wish we'd known about this sale in advance because 300 million for all of all of that is such a tiny amount. I'm pretty sure if we'd asked around, we could have scrounged that up. Podquisition could have owned owned could those studio properties. We had done something with it. Could have got something. You know, if, if we'd have known, I'm pretty sure we could have gone, listeners, we need, we just need 300 million. Yeah. Yeah. Podquisition, the AAA video game is going to be amazing. Square Enix, if you need another 50 quid, I'll take Mindscan off your hand. <laughs> Remember Mindscan? No, only I do. Uh, it was shit. Um, what was I going to say? Yes. The other thing I just want to quickly say is. Yeah. Given what I think of the Latter-day Square Enix. Mm. And in just setting aside the fact that, you know, this has fucked over the lives of a lot of developers, if we, it, as far as the games go, better they're out of Square Enix's hands. Yeah, the less connection you have to Square Enix, the better, probably. I'd rather see Tomb Raider in the hands of a company that gives a shit about Tomb Raider. Yeah. Square Enix is intent on i mean look what it did to choke like something as innocuous as chocobo racing a good kart racer yeah. uh. that they aimed at kids and then tried to exploit the fuck out of those kids with it like better tomb raider and deus ex not be with that shit yeah i loved original chocobo racing too uh. on the topic of companies that um or, or people or companies that are big believers in the blockchain and its role in gaming and play to own etc um Good thing Reggie Fils-Aimé is not at Nintendo anymore because he's fucking all about blockchain play-to-earn shit, apparently. Yeah? He's a fucking twat as well. Con merchant yeah. prick. Speaking at South by Southwest um, recently, 
I'm just going to read some of his uh, his thoughts on, on the technology. I'm a big believer in blockchain. I think it's a really compelling technology. I'm also a believer in the concept of play to own within video games, and I say this as a player where I may have invested 50 hours, 100 hours, 300 hours in a game, but when I'm ready to move on, wouldn't it be great to monetize what I've built? Uh, he has an example of what he would like to use the blockchain for. He used an example from his former employee to support his case. I bet I'd have some takers here today if I wanted to sell my Animal Crossing Island from the latest Nintendo Switch version. I'd be able to monetize that. Blockchain technology embedded in the code would enable me to do that. <sighs> good, th good thing he has no power at Nintendo. The industry is full of grifters. And yeah, well, I mean, it's not just that; it's the just executive class and the investor class. Like everything they do is based on a scam. Yeah, the scam is called capitalism. Indeed, we got a couple of other little bits. Uh, we can rattle through this one nice and quick. You know how um, it's been really hard to get a hold of consoles and things for a while because of uh, semiconductor shortages and chip shortages. Yeah, yeah, that ain't that ain't gonna finish anytime soon. <sighs> Intel's CEO Pat Gelsinger believes that the global chip shortage is going to last until uh, into 2024. So we got another couple of years of not being able to get shit that has computer chips in it. Cool. So look forward to that dragging on. And the last thing we got this week is we've got some some publicly facing drama involving Yuji Naka. Did you catch this story going around, the Balan Wonderworld story? I did, although interestingly, my first experience with it was seeing a retweet about something Yuji Naka did. Yeah, what did you see Yuji Naka did? It was actually quite similar. Um, I'm going to paraphrase, um, but there was an instance where he was talking with a Western team working on an engine for Sonic the Hedgehog, and then didn't realise they spoke Japanese, so after he had a, uh, a look at what that team was working on, then spoke to his colleagues about what they're going to take from that work, and who they're gonna fire <laughs> yeah and i think that that's important to note because there's no fucking innocent hands in shit like this but it's still interesting to read nonetheless <laughs> certainly interesting in helping to explain why balen wonderworld is so fucking shit yeah Yugi Naka, best known, as, best known as the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog, says he was removed as director of Balan Wonderworld six months before its launch by Square Enix. He talks about in this Twitter thread about the fact that he filed a lawsuit against Square Enix uh, following his dismissal. He could not explain about what was going on at the time due to the lawsuit, uh, but the big accusation he makes is that the game's co-developer and Square Enix both knew that the game was unfinished and actively decided to launch it broken anyway, which should be obvious. There's no way they wouldn't have known it was in that case. But yeah, apparently he actively makes the claim that Square Enix was aware of how bad that game was and just didn't give a shit. A translated quote from him, Square Enix is no good. They don't care about games and game fans. Yeah, he claims that's what broke down his relationship with working with them as a company because he was frustrated with their unwillingness to stop and fix all the things that needed doing. And he's basically apologised for the state that game released in. It doesn't surprise me hearing that Square Enix knowingly rushed out a broken product. They apparently like money. 
I've heard that about them. I've heard that they they just want all the money right now. Square Enix is pathetic. Square Enix is pathetic. It's it's not ideal, no. Like it's pathetic. Like what they what they've been doing lately. Like, you know, you it's it's the same naked profiteering we see everywhere. But when you look at the the quality of work Square Enix has and the quality of developers it has uh, uh, contrasted against how desperate, how pitifully, desperately thirsty for as much money as possible in the laziest, most slapdash manner, uh, in the quickest amount of time with no effort, in the most exploitative way possible, it's pathetic. You compare it to, to, you know, what that company was once known for, and it's just sad at this point. It's actually sad. Yeah. I think that's everything for us this week. I think that's all, all of the things. All right. Yeah. All right. Laura. Me. Laura, 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 Laura. Somehow you're going to have to fit hours upon hours, and it will be hours, of vampire survivors amongst a fucking shitload of activity and work and content and i'm sure the listener would love to know all about it oh well uh if you check check me out at laura k buzz on all the places twitter twitch youtube tiktok uh patreon that's the one that pays the bills like a, a dollar a month there really fucking helps other than that keep an eye out for some some interesting projects coming up this month uh if you're a trans person in the UK who could be in Nottingham hypothetically the 15th of May and hypothetically would be interested in being in a music video that might be pretty cool, maybe keep an eye on my Twitter for some information about that. Also, if you prefer written versions of uh, Access Ability, you can now go to access-ability.uk and every episode of that show is available as a text format article you can go read. Go check that out there. I think that's everything uh, for this week to promote. What about you, Conrad? Well, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And you can listen to me talk about snacks on Let's Talk About Snacks. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. Um, oh, and, and you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. The rumors are true. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That's my Patreon. And you're very, very welcome to go there if you'd like. Um, also, you can check me out streaming fairly regularly on Twitch TV. Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, I also did a TikTok now. I've been sort of dabbling in that. I'm James Stephanie Sterling on there. Thought I'd use my name name. It's it's a, it's a fun platform for I have a very small idea I don't want to put more than a few seconds into. <laughs> I mostly just upload things like me saying I identify as non-binary because I'm a goddamn snack. Like yeah. when I, I think of something stupid, I put it on yeah. TikTok. Um, so you can look at that if you want. Um, but I also want to um, really talk about uh, the next wrestling dates for Commander <gasps> Sterling because we've got some exciting stuff. Yeah, we've got May 14th, uh, the Anarchy Brew Co. in Newcastle. We truly mean all the disrespect is the name of the show. Commander Sterling is going to be there and I've got big plans. I am calling out that crypto conservative prick Zeonox. Oh. I want to finish this. On May 29th, 
at, Pursu at Pursuit Pro Wrestling's home of the South Bank Warehouse in Sheffield. Uh, I will be there for Do You Remember the First Time, North's first show outside of Newcastle, and then very excited about this one too, uh, a brand new booking on June 11th in Blackpool at the Funny Girls venue. Uh, it is PCW's Pride of the Ring, the UK's first ever LGBTQ plus wrestling event, um, and I'm going to be there. Commander Sterling will be in action, hey. and I am so fucking stoked about that one. Um, it's a huge opportunity and something I've really been hoping to do, so hopefully I will see you all there as well. Um, tickets for the North shows are at northwrestling.co.uk, and I believe the PCW one is um, buy.at slash PCW, I think. Um and yeah, that's that. Uh, hopefully I'll see you there. But one thing I do know is that we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.